Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. We'll be looking at verses 16 and 17. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the anointing upon it, and also upon our ears to hear it, our hearts to receive it, minds to be opened unto it. That our lives would be transformed, dear Father God, from glory unto glory. That we'd walk worthy of Thee and well-pleasing in all that we set our hearts and hands to do. We set ourselves now to receive. I thank You for utterance to proclaim the truth and the power of the Spirit. That our faith would stand not in men's wisdom, but in the power of the living God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Of course, being Healing Sunday, talking about healing. We want to share with you truths from God's Word with regard to healing. And I'd like to title our message, Healing Faith and the Laying on of Hands. We're going to kind of group it all together. Put it all together. Is that okay? And start talking about manifestations. So if you can capture all that, get a hold of all that, and think about all that, you'll be blessed. If you say, I'm going to have a hard time with that, the Holy Ghost is here to help assimilate all things and put it inside you and organize it in a neat way so that you can be equipped and prepared to walk in the light of it. I want you to notice here in this particular scripture, verse 16, we are told that the gospel of Christ is the power of God. The gospel of Christ is the power of God. The good news of the message of Christ is the power of God. Let's not forget that. Thank God for supernatural manifestations. Thank God for the miracle working power of God that's manifested and falls upon us. But all of it, of course, is a result of the gospel of Christ. The message of the word that we have to understand and know and walk in light of in order to experience the full blessings of God. You see, when it comes to healing, we understand that healing can be obtained through supernatural gifts or manifestations. And it can also be attained through the exercising of one's faith in the word of God. And we thank God for both means or avenues through which one can receive healing from God. We also understand that there will be manifestations of the Spirit. There will be gifts in operation where people teach them, preach them, believe in them, and also yield to the Spirit of God. See, if we don't yield to the Spirit of God when God moves by His Spirit, although we may believe in them, we're not going to have them. We've got to believe in them. Preach them, teach them, and also yield to the Spirit of God so that we can have them. And we thank God, of course, for them. Well, although one can believe in manifestations of the Spirit, it doesn't necessarily mean that that person will be receptive or yielded when God wants to move by His Spirit in order to produce a miracle. Then again, on the other hand, it may be that one doesn't even recognize when the Spirit of God is moving or how to leap out in faith and by faith yield to the Spirit of God as He does move. I remember when, and I've shared this testimony thousands of times with you, when my daughter fell. I remember how when she was lying there hurt and we laid hands upon her, how something took over inside me that I acknowledged to be the gift of special faith. It wasn't just the faith that I had that was an operation. But you see, I began in faith. We began praying in faith because that's what we knew to do. And as we began praying in faith for her, as we're looking at her body that's all mangled, all of a sudden, something on the inside of me rose up. And it kind of added to, if I can say it that way. See, it's hard to explain spiritual things, but it added to the faith that I already had. Strengthening of that faith. 
And I was conscious of it. I was aware of it. Just as if someone would take a, a, a coat or a blanket and throw it on you while you're lying there. That's exactly what it was like. Something rose up on the inside of me. It was just something came on me just like that. And it rose up on the inside of me. At that time, I wasn't as schooled in spiritual manifestations as I am now. But as I look back, I recognize it was something more than just my nat- the faith that I had. The spiritual faith that I had in the Word of God to believe. There was also, in addition to that, a supernatural working of God's power that rose up on the inside. And it kind of just elevated me up above what my eyes saw. Because, you see, what my eyes saw was horrible. It was horrible. But on the inside, there was something more powerful than that. And I thank God for supernatural manifestations. Beloved, I thank God for the Holy Ghost and tongues. Those out there that don't believe in it, that are born-again believers, my heart just goes out to them. And I won't argue the point. But my heart goes out to them because I realize how valuable and precious it is to the life of the believer. To experience that, that working of God's power. To be in a place or position where God can move that way as He wills in a person's life. And I thank God for that time. I'll tell you what, I, I attribute my daughter's life to that particular time where we laid hands on her and also had God moved by His Spirit. And so once again, I want to express the importance of spiritual gifts and supernatural manifestations. I really believe that lives have been spared as a result of supernatural workings of God's mighty power. Well, when you say that, then sometimes someone thinks, well, why doesn't it happen all the time then? Well, I believe because we are to live by faith. We're instructed in the Word of God that the just live by faith. If every time there was a particular need or a situation that would arise or occur in a person's life, and all we had was spiritual manifestations or gifts of the Spirit in operation, no one would ever believe the message. We'd be so lazy, we wouldn't want to even study the Word of God to find out the truth. We'd just, just bank on the rest. Just believe that God would move in this supernatural way any time of need. And that's all there is to it. Because that's human nature. That's the way we are. Then again, there are those that if they do experience a supernatural working of God's power when it comes to healing in their lives, they end up having this kind of a mindset. Well, I was introduced to healing this way. I went to a service somewhere. There was a gift of the Spirit in operation. And I thank God for that supernatural manifestation. But I was called out or something supernatural other than that happened. As a result, I was healed by the power of God. And they had this mindset developed that every time I need healing, all I've got to do is go to a healing service somewhere or find someone who's preaching on the subject or a healing evangelist somewhere and go there, sit in a meeting, and all of a sudden this supernatural working of God's power is going to go into operation and I'm going to be healed that way. Now, mind you, we believe in that. We expect that. We welcome that. We want that. But the truth of the matter is this. It doesn't always happen. And the reason why it doesn't always happen that way is because the just shall live by faith, not supernatural manifestations. Did you get that point? The just shall live by faith, not supernatural workings of God's power, not spiritual gifts. But we thank God for spiritual gifts and we thank God for their place and we welcome them and we encourage them and we expect them. But when it comes to experiencing a balanced Christian life, we have to recognize that they have their place. But they are not to take the place of faith in the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And if we were introduced to a subject in a supernatural way, that experience does not take the place of one studying the word of God to develop a personal faith in the message of the gospel. And if a person really wants to have power for living, you've got to go to the gospel message. Because you'll see... Many will make the mistake of expecting that to happen supernaturally all the time. And then when it doesn't happen, they're baffled and amazed and they wonder why it doesn't seem as though they're getting healed or receiving blessings from God. God's word reveals to us, beloved, that the just shall live by faith. And we've got to understand that that should be the primary pursuit in our lives to, to, to develop our hearts in faith as much as we possibly can by getting a hold of what God says 
on certain subjects and having it become alive within us. Now, I want you to see something in John's Gospel, chapter 5, that will strengthen and reinforce that statement. That we don't live by supernatural manifestations, although we welcome them, we encourage them, we expect them. But that's not the norm. That's not every day living as a Christian. In John's Gospel, chapter 5, we have illustrated to us supernatural workings of God's power and their place in people's lives. And I believe the Spirit of God anointed John to teach this and preach this so that we could understand their place, thank God for their place, give them their place, yet continue our pursuit on living by faith. Now listen. Here in chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is a Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Bethesda meaning house of mercy gifts. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Why were they waiting for the moving of the water? For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man, when the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. I want to stop there, and I want to explain the fact that healing belonged to all those people that were there. Every single individual person, whether halt, blind, maimed, impotent, no matter what the disease was, no matter what the infirmity was, every individual there at the pool had a covenant with God and healing belonged to every one of them. But you'll notice, so as not to allow healing to escape the people of God... God provided a supernatural working of His power in this manner. So that the people would still know that healing belongs to them. An angel would come down, trouble the water at a certain season. Anyone who got in, the first one though who got in, no matter what he had, was healed of that disease. That is a gift. That's why it's called the house of mercy gifts. It is a gift. It is a supernatural working God's power. Well, why didn't they all get healed when they got in? Because then everybody would believe that that's how God wants them to live. But God didn't want them all to live like that. The just don't live by supernatural manifestations. The just live by faith. But He provided that as a means of mercy. A way, of course, to reach out and touch these people's lives and let them know that I'm here. And I'm your Lord that heals you. Don't forget that. And so one gets in, gets healed. But the problem was this, and this happens. Every time something like that happens, being natural as we are, human nature taking over, what do we want? We all want to look at that, and we all want it that way. And so everybody gathers around. Now, here's the, here's the Word of God over here. Here's the preacher preaching in Exodus 15, 26 Jehovah said, I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals you. I have a covenant that I've made with you that provides healing. But are they concerned about that boring teaching? Oh, if I've got to sit through another lengthy message and hear that rabbi say again and again and again and again and again, I'd rather sit out here by the pool. Come on, Joe, let's go out by the pool. Let's just wait for the angel to come. Every season, maybe four times a year, different seasons. You never know. doesn't say how often. Whatever the season was, there was a troubling of the water. First one in, bloop, got healed. Just like that. And so they all stood there. Stayed there. They couldn't stand, they stayed there. God only knows how long this fellow was there. He was sick for 38 years, but he was there for a long time. Jesus knew that. 
you know, basking in the sun, maybe getting a suntan, waiting for the water, then getting on in. But he said, look, there's nobody here to help me. So obviously I'm not going to get healed. Well, if he knew that, he should have been in church. (laughs) I'll bypass that one. The point being that healing belonged to all of them. And you notice that this man didn't get in the water to get healed. He got healed, didn't he? But not by getting into the water. By by believing the word of the Lord. He said, wilt thou be made whole? It's up to you. Yeah, but Lord, you understand, there's no man. I'm not talking about a man. I didn't tell you to look for a man. In other words, you don't have to look for a man to be healed. Jesus was saying to him. You don't need the help of man. All you need is to look to me. I am the man you need to look to right now. Jesus. The son of the living God. Of righteousness with healing in his wings. Do you see that? And so he got his eyes off the troubling of the water long enough off this. Thank God for the mercy gift. I am not belittling that mercy gift. Thank God many were healed as a result of that mercy gift. But how many times do you think they could go back to that pool after being healed once and still get healed? Again, once we have experienced the blessings of God, to whom much is given, much is required, God expects us to get into His Word, discover the truth that makes us free, and base our lives on it. For the just shall live by faith in the message, not the methods of God. So, this fellow gets healed, but not by the troubling of the water. Jesus came, gave him the word, and the man got healed. He was delivered and set free. Supernatural mercy gifts have their place, and we thank God for the gifts of love. But once a person experiences those manifestations, and it doesn't mean he can't experience more or be used of God to... Help others receive from God. It just means he has to become intent in studying the word for himself. To develop a a lifestyle of faith. To believe God. Well, there's another scripture I want to point out also along these lines to reinforce that. Because it's important, beloved. It's so important to what we're going to do here today. Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. And verse 27. If you read all through this, you discover that Jesus said... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel. Why did He anoint him to preach the gospel? Because the gospel is the what? The power of God unto complete deliverance. The word salvation there in the Greek meaning complete deliverance. Salvation, healing, preservation, soundness, and wholeness. That's what it means. And all that is found in the gospel message. In other words, containing that message is enough power for one to experience all those blessings. But it's in seed form. It's in word form that one must get a hold of, put inside his heart, and then, by faith, live by it. In Luke 4, Jesus preached that gospel message. And he goes on to explain something. And if you read right on through that, as I said, he's talking about, you're going to say to me, physician, heal yourself. And he goes on and he talks about how there were widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, Elijah the prophet. And heaven was shut up for all these years, and he wasn't sent to anyone except for this widow woman of Sarepta, a city of Sidon, and to a woman that was a widow. And in verse 27, this is what I want to bring out, and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Eliseus, the prophet. And none of them was cleansed save Naaman the leper. How many lepers were in Israel? Many lepers. How many of the Israeli lepers got healed? None. But a Syrian got healed, one who was an outsider, outside the covenant benefits and rights. He gets healed through a supernatural work of God. You know the story of Naaman the leper. He goes to Elijah the prophet expecting to receive healing. He tells him to go dip in the river Jordan seven times. He gets upset. He is wroth, angry, goes away. His servant tells him, he'd ask you to do a hard thing. Go in the water and dip and you'll be clean. And so his leprosy is cleansed as he goes back and dips seven times as he is supposed to. But here Jesus points out a fact, an important truth. There were many lepers in Israel in the days of Elisha the prophet, but he wasn't sent to one of them. And you ask yourself the question, why? I know, he wasn't anointed enough. Yeah, I know that Elisha. I don't think he's anointed enough. 
See, some have the idea that I went and I was prayed for. That person wasn't anointed enough to get me healed. Let's do a little research and work and find out whether or not Elisha was anointed enough. Go back to 2 Kings chapter 13. Verse 20. Many lepers were in Israel. Elisha was the prophet. And if he's anointed of God and there are supernatural manifestations and gifts of the Spirit operating through his life, why wasn't he sent to one leper? Why did not one leper go to him? What's the problem here? Jesus points this out. It's a matter of importance. Could it be he wasn't anointed enough? He had a double portion of the anointing that was upon Elijah. Well, he was anointed enough, all right, and this proves it. In verse 20, And Elisha died, and they buried him, and the band of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in the end of the year. And it came to pass, as they were burying a man, that, behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha, And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. This this man's bones were so anointed that when this guy died, he was resurrected from the dead, just coming into contact with his bones. Would you say Elisha was anointed enough? I mean, dear God in heaven. Can you imagine being so anointed of God that even after your death and your body is decayed, that your bones still contain the anointing of God with such Vibrant power and ability that a dead man is resurrected from the dead when he comes into contact with your bones. Beloved, that's anointed. I said, that's anointed. This is reality here. This is anointing. But all these lepers, these lepers are in Israel. But they're not getting healed. Hmm, kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? Well, what's the problem here? Well, well, we'll show you the problem. Exodus chapter 15, verse 26 says this. Exodus 15, 26. These people had a covenant with God. God made a covenant of healing with the people. The just live by faith. God wants us to live by the word of God. By the covenant that we have with Him. Spiritual gifts are there to help us along the way. And thank God for them. And they're also a ministry to those that are even non-believers. And thank God for that. But when it comes to the child of God, God expects us to become diligent in seeking Him, His face, and our rights and privileges, and enforcing what belongs to us by faith. These others had a means whereby they could have been healed. In Exodus 15, 26, it says, And said... This is God speaking. If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I'll put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord, your great physician. So God made a pact. God made a covenant with them. But I want you to see something here. Just like these individuals over there at the pool of Siloam. They're not wrapped up, they're not caught up in this aspect of their redemption, of the provisions through the Abrahamic covenant. They're wrapped up in waiting for the troubling of the water, waiting for the troubling of the water. And let a whole year go by or six months go by or however many months go by waiting for the troubling of the water and wanting to get in there because they know they're going to get healed. And doing that rather than studying out to discover what belongs to them, what are their rights and privileges. And enforcing those rights and privileges as a blood covenant partner with God. Now, you can look at some other scriptures that will reinforce that. Exodus 23, you're close by, so turn there. Verses 25 and 26. And God said in verse 25, You shall serve the Lord your God, and He shall bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. See, that's what God said. They weren't concerned about hearing that. They were concerned about when the angel would come to trouble the water because whoever got in first would be healed. That's the easy way. And besides, I can get a good suntan while I'm waiting. There shall nothing cast their young nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. 
I will is the strongest assertion you can make in the English language. I will. And he made it to them. But um, once again, that escaped them. That wouldn't escape our thinking, would it? Why do you think David said in, in that psalm, forget none of his benefits? We have a tendency to forget. We can get caught up in methods and forget the message. And if you looked at Deuteronomy, you don't have to turn to it, but in the 7th chapter, verse 15, says the same thing. It reiterates that he will take sickness and disease away from the midst of them. See, beloved, healing belongs to us just as healing belonged to them. But it's not just a matter of prayer or supernatural gifts in operation. Healing belongs to us because Jesus bore our sickness and because Jesus carried our pain. That is the message. And very often what we want in meetings is to have supernatural workings and thank God for them. Or have prayer and thank God for prayer. But to see, beloved, if we don't do it with the understanding that it's all a means of releasing faith in a message, then it becomes religious form and formality. And it's empty. It loses its effectiveness. It's empty or void of power. And it doesn't accomplish the purpose of the will of God. And that's why people need to be taught the Word of God. To know the message to produce faith. Someone says, I've tried this laying hand on of hands. My goodness, I went to hospital. Someone was sick. I talked to them for a few minutes. They said, just pray for me. I don't feel good. I laid hands on them. Prayed for them. Nothing happened. That's the problem. I've done the same thing. And you see, laying on of hands is a means through which one releases faith. And there is a law of contact and transmission that has to be followed and understood. And unless that law is understood and followed, then you know what happens, beloved? It does not accomplish the purpose of the will of God. No power is transmitted. And let me explain to you. You walk in like I did to a hospital room. Someone is sick and in pain. And you know your heart goes out to them. And you start to share a little bit about what Jesus did. Start sharing some scriptures. Did you know that this verse said this or that verse said that? And they'll bear with you for a little while. Then after a little while, just pray for me. Just pray for me. Well, you see, beloved, that's not following the method of Jesus. Jesus didn't just pray for people. God's Word says, and we'll show that to you in the Scriptures, that Jesus taught, preached, and then healed. He taught people, and I believe He taught supernatural laws. He preached, and then He healed. In that order. Teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and disease. And what I'm saying is this. When people don't want to hear what the Word of God has to say, there's no sense even praying for them because it becomes a formality. I said it becomes a religious form. It becomes a formality. It is empty and void of power. It's just a ritual. So what good is a ritual going to do when it comes to reality? Nothing. I'll share with you a testimony later on here. What people need to know is this. Look at Isaiah chapter 53. But you don't understand. All these scriptures. I mean, you know what they do to my mind. All these scriptures. My goodness. Yeah, they'll renew our minds. That's what they'll do. They'll restore our soul. It's so hard to understand. No, the devil says it's so hard to understand. The Holy Ghost is here to assist us to understand. In Isaiah chapter 53... This is what it's all about. Beloved, if God wanted us just to lay hands on people to get healed, God would have never sent Jesus to die for our sicknesses. Because if all it takes is laying hands on people to get them healed, apart from a work of Christ, then can you not understand that there's no, no need for Jesus to come and die for us? If that's all it would take is just lay hands on somebody? Come over here, let me lay hands on you. Get you healed. Come on. Well, what's behind all that? Who cares? Just let me lay hands on you. Wait a minute. All that is a point of contact. All that is is a release of faith. It's a release of power by degrees. And we'll get to that in a minute. If you don't understand the laws behind it, and if all you think is just have hands laid on you, Jesus didn't even have to die for any of it. Just lay hands on somebody. See, it's a method of release. Where once faith is released, there is a message behind it. It'd be like this difference. Go home. Don't do this. Go home. 
and stick a butter knife in your electrical outlet. What happened? Then try sticking this piece of paper in, holding on to it. What'll happen? What'll happen? If you stick this piece of paper in, what'll happen? Why? It's not a conductor of electricity, is it? So it'll stay there, won't get on you. So you can take someone's hand, lay it on somebody's head, and if they're both empty, what are you going to get? Forgive me. Or if one has something and the other doesn't, what are you going to get? Nothing. Do you see the power can be there and yet not faith? And if there's no faith to conduct the, the, the electrical power or the power of God, there's nothing going to happen. But the power is still there. Do you see that? We know that's true with, when it comes to these laws. Same thing is true with, with regard to supernatural laws. So the idea is this, one has to have something in him that draws from the power of God, that assists the power of God in aiding or in, in helping that person to become healed. The power to work, to make him healed. Look at Isaiah 53. And this is what we need. We need to be taught the word of God. And we can't say, I'm bored with the messages. Get a hold of the truth and build faith. In Isaiah 53, in verse 4, it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. And in verse 10, it says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, or he made him sick. Now, let's stop there. Young's translation of verse 4 says, Surely our sickness he hath borne, and our pains he hath carried them. Rotherham's translation says, He hath laid on him sickness. Dr. Isaac Lesser's translation says, But only our diseases did he bear himself, and our pains he carried. And so when you put all that together, what you discover is that what the Spirit was saying through Isaiah was, Jesus bore our sickness, and Jesus carried our pain. That produces faith. God gives us His Word to produce faith within our lives. He gives us something to believe. I must believe in my heart that Jesus bore my sickness and that Jesus carried my pains. I know there will be those that will hear you hear on the radio and they'll tell you, well, it doesn't really mean physical sickness. It just means the spiritual things. Now, wait a minute. You can say, well, who's rather him anyhow? Who's Dr. Isaac Lester anyhow? Who's young? He just wrote an analytical accordance. Who's he? What does he know? Just because he's a Greek scholar. Okay, fine. You will not accept any one of their translations of that verse? Then don't. But will you accept the Holy Ghosts? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. People are trying to figure out what Isaiah meant. And they go through all kinds of theological schools and hours of study to find out what, just what did Isaiah mean? He said he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Just what did he mean by that? Well, don't act, ask Dr. Isaac, listen, because if you ask him, you know, he could be wrong. He's just a translator. Don't ask Young. You can believe everything else as far as his analytical concordance is concerned, but don't believe this verse. Don't believe uh, you know, in the other translations, although they say sickness and disease. Well, if you don't believe that, what about believing the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost inspired Isaiah to say it, right? Well, the whole, same Holy Ghost inspired Matthew to comment on it. Matthew is now a commentator. Matthew's commentary on Isaiah 53. Here's what it says, Matthew 8, verse 16. And when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirit with his word, and healed all that were sick. Why? That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, or Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. What did the Holy Ghost say through Matthew that Isaiah said? That Dr. Isaac Lesser and Rotherham and, and, and Young said? And agreed with that Isaiah said 
Jesus bore our sickness and carried our pains. Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. That's exactly what Isaiah said. And so you see, beloved, this is the message that one has to get a hold of. This is the message that one must hold dear to his heart. This is the message or the word that produces faith so that we're not empty. When it comes to faith or power. So that when we do something such as laying hands on the sick, we're not empty. But there truly is power. There truly is faith working together to accomplish the purpose of God's will. And if you want a third reference, 1 Peter 2 and 24, turn to it. We quote them all the time. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, 24. Here Peter, referring back to the cross, to what Jesus did on Calvary, says... In verse 24 of his first epistle, who his own self, that's Jesus, bear our sins in his own body, we believe that, on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness, we believe that, by whose stripes ye were, were healed. By whose stripes ye were. Everybody say, I was healed. I was healed. At, Calvary. At Calvary. By his stripes. I was healed. I was healed. You know, that's a truth that's been hard to get across to all of us. I'm talking about the reality of it. We can quote it. We can preach it. We can talk about it. We can say it. But to really get a hold of the reality of that truth. On the cross, when Jesus died... Those stripes were placed there for a purpose. We are told it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath made him sick. God didn't waste anything that was done in the act of redemption. It was done for a purpose. It was done for a reason. Those stripes were placed on Jesus to take care of sickness and the diseases of the world. We've got to believe that. By what degree we believe that is by what degree our faith will grow. If we just toy with it and say, well, I know it says it, then we won't have a whole lot of faith. But if we really focus in on that, meditate it, and begin to, to see what took place on the cross and how those stripes produce healing for us, then our faith will then begin to grow. When faith then begins to grow on the inside of a person... And then hands are laid on that same person as a, a point of contact. That person's faith life is not empty. That person's heart is full of faith and power is flowing. And the two coming together, combining, you know, forces together jointly with what they produce. The will of God in action. Healing in a person's body. So can you see if all we do is go to meetings and just have, have a, a special manifestations and no message preached on what the Word says about what God did through Jesus Christ, what we end up having is this, and make note of this, faith in methods. And then soon enough, as faith in the message wanes, the method is continually used, but it becomes a ritual. It becomes a form. And it's empty. Nothing happens. Had hands laid on me. Nothing happened. Almost proud of it. I guess I proved it didn't work. Well, no, that's not it. God works on a principle of faith. Look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. I said we'd get to this. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. If we just glance over the Scriptures, we get this idea that all Jesus did was, because He was Jesus, was go about touching anybody that was near Him and they were all zapped and instantly healed. Well, that's not true, because if that happened, where'd all those sick folk come from when they, they got by Peter and his shadow healed them all. They were still sick. But see, Jesus was there. What about the lame man at the gate of the temple called Beautiful? He was there when Jesus was there. He didn't get healed. What about all these around this pool of Bethesda? They didn't get healed. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the king. Preaching the what? The what? What is the gospel? It is the power of God to him that believeth. Both Jew and Greek. It is the power of God. He preached the gospel. 
Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. He preached the, the gospel. There's power in it and healed every sickness and disease among the people. Those hearts were open to the message of the gospel. Yes, they were sick, but they were taught, preached to. They heard the message. There were those that longed to hear Him and be healed of their diseases. So Jesus spent much time teaching the people first, and they spent much time listening to what He had to say. What did He say? Oh, I can only imagine. Let me take a, a, a guess. Maybe a somewhat of an educated guess as to what Jesus said when He went to the city and synagogue. It could be something like this. You might agree, I don't know. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty the bruised, and preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I believe he's preached that message everywhere he went. Every city, every synagogue, he stated his mission. And then I'm sure he expounded on how they could receive. I'm sure he expounded on the Abrahamic covenant and how healing was provided for them. Well, did he not teach that healing is the children's bread? Did he not? Absolutely. You think he just taught that one place? No. Did he not teach that unbelief would nullify the effectiveness of God's power when it comes to healing the sick? Could do no mighty work there because of their what? Unbelief. unbelief. They didn't believe it. God works on the principle of faith. In order to get faith into someone, they must hear the gospel because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The gospel they must hear is this, that Jesus bore your sickness, Jesus carried your pain. And in the mind of God, 2,000 years ago, you were healed. And your head just goes, like you got that little ball on the inside just going back and forth. Wait a minute. Here I am with this disease in my body. And you're saying 2,000 years ago I was healed. That doesn't line up. 2,000 years ago you were saved also. You didn't get it or experience it until you said, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Savior. That's when he came in and that's when it became a reality. It's a little bit harder sometimes for people to register this upon their thinking. 2,000 years ago, I was healed. In the mind of God, I was healed then. See, the tenses whip us sometimes. We're thinking in the future. God's going to heal me. God's going to heal me. He's saying, I already healed you. I already healed you. He's saying, God, you're going to heal me. Will you heal me someday? He says, I already healed you. I already healed you. One's going this way. One's going that way. He's trying to say, start saying I healed you. Start saying you are healed. There has to come a time when you believe you are healed. Wait a minute. Aren't I supposed to be healed before I can say I am healed? And God's saying, no, there comes a time you have to start believing you are healed. You are believing you are healed because you were healed. And then you'll get healed. Can you figure that one out? But I want you to see this. In the mind of God, he healed us 2,000 years ago. In our minds, we're not healed. In our minds, God's going to heal me someday. But in his mind, he says, you were healed 2,000 years ago. So what is faith then? It's a release. A method, a means of exchange. There comes a point of contact when you are prayed for in faith and God's power is released to do what? To make a reality out of what he did for you 2,000 years ago. And at that point of contact, you believe in a message. You come in faith and you say, I believe Jesus healed me 2,000 years ago when he died. I'm here today. Yes, there's disease in my body. But you know what? 2,000 years ago, I was healed. Therefore, when you lay hands on me, that will be my point of contact. That's when I will release faith and I will believe that with his stripes, I was healed. Therefore, I am healed. That is a point of contact, a time when you believe I am healed because I was healed. Not what my body says, but what the book says. Do you see that? If we don't come that way and just say, pray for me. Say, okay, I'll pray for you. Lay hands on somebody. Empty hand, empty head. <laughs> Wonderful religious form. Look good. What was accomplished? Nothing. God works on our principles of faith. And I believe that we have to understand, you're in Matthew, go to Matthew 21. That unless we believe something, God has nothing to honor in our lives. Well, I am insulted by that. You don't know me. I'm a good person. I do good works and deeds. I give alms. As I said, unless we believe God's word, 
He has nothing to honor in our lives. I know. Jeremiah 1.12 says, God watches over your good deeds to perform them. God watches over your good works to bring you blessings. No, it says God watches over His Word to perform it. God watches over His Word. And if you happen to get in line with the Word, He'll perform it for you. He'll give you a performance of the things He has spoken and said in His Word, and it shall come to pass in your life. Do you see that? So we have to line up with the Word of God because that's what He watches over to perform. God, you said in your Word 2,000 years ago I was healed. God, you said in your Word, believe I receive and I shall have. Therefore, I believe I receive according to your word, not my feelings, but according to your word right now, this time of this day, on this date, in this year, I believe I receive, I have what I've asked for. I thank you. I'm acting on your word. You don't be disappointed because God watches over the word to perform it and make it good. Whoever happens to act on the word gets it. Who doesn't, doesn't. Matthew 21, 22 says, and all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing Believing what? Believing you receive. I believe that 2,000 years ago I was healed. I release my faith now in this year, at this moment of time, on this day and hour. I believe now that since I was healed then, I receive. Just think as if, if you were receiving Jesus now. I was saved 2,000 years ago. I believe I receive it right now when I ask Him into my heart. Isn't that how it works? Okay. Well, then I believe I was healed 2,000 years ago. But now, today, when hands are laid on me, by the law of contact and transmission, something's going to happen. I believe I receive my healing now. I receive it now. So can you see that? It happened then, but I receive it now. Okay, hold that thought. Whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Because God watches over His Word to perform it. We're acting on His Word. And when we lay hands on somebody and pray for somebody, or if you go into a hospital room, say, but brother, you don't understand. I can't talk to that person all this time like you're talking to me about all these different things. Then don't even pray for them. Oh, but that's such an insult. You can say, look, brother, I love you. I thank God for your life. You know, and uh, if you want to pray in general. But to say, I, I'm going to pray for you to receive your healing... Apart from that person wanting to know the scriptures and what they teach, it's almost insulting God. I said, it's like insulting God. That's like this. Here you are. You stand up and you say, I would like to be saved today. What do you believe about Jesus? He was a good man. Prophet, good man, good teacher, good example. Anybody can pattern his life after him. You believe he's the son of God? Not really. You believe that he was a Jehovah manifest in the flesh? No. Well, let's pray for your salvation right now. Just say, Jesus, come in. Would you do that? I said, would you do that? Because that very person that you're ministering to lying there on that sickbed, you know what they might say if you say, do you believe that Jesus bore your sickness and carried your pain and it is the emphatic will of God that you be healed? Oh, no, I don't believe that. Well, what do you believe? Well, I believe that if he wants to, he will. He can. There's a lot of work that needs to be done if a person believes that, beloved. You can't just pray right then. You've got to get through all the garbage. Get through all the thorns and thistles and get it out. Teach them, instruct them in the Word of God to know the will of God. Then you can pray for them and then lay hands on them. Because even though your hands may not be empty and there's power flowing out of you, you see they're not a good conductor. They're not going to receive because the power of God will stop right there. It won't go into them but faith. And it won't be activated by faith. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 16 and verse 18, you don't have to turn to it. You know, the scripture says, in my name, Jesus said, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And what that means is that God has provided for us means or ways to assist our faith and help us receive what belongs to us, which is divine healing. And one of those ways, of course, is the prominent method of laying on of hands. And so that's why we very often will practice the laying on of hands when it comes to ministering to the sick. But I want you to turn to this scripture in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 5. To stress this point, Galatians 3 and verse 5 reveals to us a principle and a truth that has to be understood. Not only by the one who is ministering, but also by the one who is the recipient of that power of God. Notice 3, 5 says this in the book of Galatians. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and doeth miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And the answer is by the hearing of faith. In other words, if I'm going to lay hands on you, I've got to do it by faith. 
If I'm going to minister the Spirit to you, how am I going to do it? Please bear with me. Listen carefully. If I'm going to minister the Spirit to somebody, if you are going to minister the Spirit to somebody, how will you do that? By faith. You minister the life of the Spirit to somebody by faith. I believe I'm Spirit-filled. I have the Holy Ghost. I am anointed with the power of God. And so are you if you are Spirit-filled. Therefore, by faith, I minister the Spirit to you. By faith. Not by any works that I've done, but by faith. Also, by faith, miracles are wrought. Also, by faith, that power is received. By faith, that power is activated and cooperated with until a healing or the healing process is consummated. Otherwise, it becomes a ritual or an empty form. How many of you recall the ministry of John Alexander, Alexander Dowie? Had a tremendous healing ministry in Australia. As a result, American newspapers began writing about his ministry and the miracles that were taking place under his ministry. He made his way over to San Francisco in the States and stayed in a particular hotel in, there in San Francisco. And when he arrived, the manager of the hotel was absolutely overwhelmed by all the people that were gathered around. Hundreds of people were gathered around that were sick, wanting to go see John Alexander Dowie so he could pray for them to be healed. So he finally said, well, look, send them in one at a time and I'll talk to each one of them and we'll go from there. And so one by one, they began going in his hotel room and out, in and out, in and out, hundreds of people. 200 people went in and out. He didn't pray for one of them. He said they were not prepared. They weren't ready for prayer. The 201st one was a crippled lady who was there on these sticks because she couldn't afford to buy crutches. No shoes on her feet. In a bad way, could hardly walk, could barely get there. She walked in and walked out totally healed. She was the only one he laid hands on and prayed for that day. There were hundreds that went in and went out. He said she was prepared. Laying on of hands in prayer becomes a formality and a ritual. Unless there is power being ministered and by faith that power is being received to accomplish a purpose in the will of God. He instructed the others and I'm sure that they had uh, research to do it and he instructed them what to do so as to develop faith. But if you don't believe right, beloved, do you see how we give the gospel sometimes a bad name? And even healing itself is given a bad name. Why? Because these people went in, they prayed, nothing happened. Right. Because the people that they prayed for had no knowledge of the things of God. And so we thought it was some type of magical potion that we have. This is not black magic, beloved. This is based on truth. We minister life of the Spirit by faith. We receive the life of the Spirit by faith. And by faith, we activate the power of God. And by faith, we cooperate with the power of God until the process is consummated. And that's how God wants it to be done. And it's so important that we understand that and we do it. Now, in conclusion, I just want to add to that this. The laying on, some will ask, why is it that manifestations are not always instantaneous? In the first place, remember that he's talking about healing and healing is not always instantaneously manifested. Secondly, let's understand this, that healing is by degree. According to the law of contact and transmission, healing is by degree. Number one, by the degree of the anointing that is ministered at the time of prayer. And you have to realize that one can be more or less anointed at the time that they are ministering to somebody. Have you ever felt more or less anointed when you've been in ministry? There are times when you can sense a greater degree of the anointing of God as you are ministering. On other occasions, for whatever reason, you are conscious of the fact that the, the anointing is not up to par. Of course, it's all God's fault. No, it's not God's fault. We're the ones in flesh. And get distracted and caught up with all these different things that we do to not, you know, to, to be at the place we should be. On the other hand, the second point to that is this. It's also by the degree of faith that is activated to cooperate with the anointing that is ministered. 
and you get those two working together at a high percentage rate, beloved, I'll tell you something right now. You're going to have more instantaneous healings to take place. More. But it's still not always because it doesn't always work that way. But there can be a, a less, lesser degree of faith and power that's ministered. It doesn't mean it's not working. It's working. But a person must continue to exercise faith with that power until the process is finally consummated. And so let's recognize the fact that healing is by degree. The degree of the anointing that's ministered to the person and the degree of faith that is cooperating with the anointing and giving action to it in that person's life to consummate the process. So then faith gives action to the power, which we sing about here on many occasions. Faith gives action to the power of God that is ministered by faith. And if they'll stay together and and allow it to be kept working in that person's life, it eventually will consummate the healing process and that person will be well. So, if you're coming this morning and you say, my goodness, I want to have hands laid upon me, just search your heart out. Number one, do you believe that Jesus bore your sickness and carried your pain? And you say, I I believe that. How many of you, if you're honest out there, say, well, I believe that. But by what degree does your heart believe that? And you know, it's an honest question to ask ourselves about everything that we believe about the Bible and the, the Word of God. How much do we really believe in the truths of God's Word? How much of our heart is really thrust into what that Word says? How much do we really believe in divine love to say that we give ourselves to its place, proper place in our lives? Ask yourself. And then by that degree, whatever it is, recognize where you're at and say, I'm releasing what faith I have in that Jesus bore my sickness and carried my pain. I believe that. I'm going to continue to feed on the word to grow in that. But I believe that. And then secondly... Know that God wills your healing. God wants you well this morning. He wants you whole. Whether it's this morning or whenever. God wants us whole. Jesus bore my sickness. God wants me whole. He wants me well. He wants my body whole. He wants my, my mind sound. God wants us to be free in spirit, soul, and in body. I believe that. It's believing prayer that changes things. I believe that Jesus bore my sickness. I believe that God wants me well. And what I'm praying for, it will not be an empty religious form. It will not be a ritual that I go through. Something that we practice doubting whether or not anything will ever occur. I know, now listen carefully, I know that because Jesus bore my sickness, and I know because God the Father wills my healing... I know that when hands are laid on me, I know God's power by His Spirit will be ministered and I know by faith I will receive. That's third. That is my point of contact. And I always say this to people. Look at your watch. See what time your hands are laid on you. That's the point that you release faith in the fact that 2,000 years ago Jesus bore your sickness and healed you. But now I believe I receive it. And now I have it according to the Word of God. Not by my feelings, but according to the Word of God. And that's the time I received it on this day, hour, this year. And then finally, don't stop praising Him. And please don't think that that's a minor point. Because praise is the highest expression of your faith. Faith is what gives action to the power that consummates the healing process. So then praise and thanksgiving does for us what is needed to bring us to that place where the consummation takes place. So can you see the importance of then, thank you, Father God, on this hour, on this day, at this time, I received my healing that Jesus provided for me 2,000 years ago. And I thank you that I have it now. The power is ministered by faith it's received. And through praise, the power is and faith continue to work together until the process is come. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. 
Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.